Hi, I'm Jim Raffle, and this is episode one of the Die Subcast. And I'm Shelby Sapusik. So together, we, um, we formed the Die Subcast because we wanted to create a place to get great information about dye sublimation printing. And eventually, we'll be talking to equipment manufacturers, consumable manufacturers, dye sublimation producers. And we'll also occasionally share our own experience running a dye sublimation business. And that's what we're going to do today. Um, basically, it doesn't matter if you're new to dye sublimation or a seasoned professional. We are, we're going to have something here for you. So let's get this first episode started. I'm going to interview Shelby today about her experience starting up a new dye sublimation business, which we did together right during this That's COVID. Really our experience. What? It's really our experience, not my experience. But oh, our experience. Sorry. <laughs> this is how our lives really go. She's my editor, so she edits everything I say and do and and write. Um, anyway, where was I? Um, Normally, normally we're color management consultants and we travel the country doing color management consulting and training work. Our training revolves around the Printing United Alliance uh, Digital Color Professional Program. Uh, we run these uh, color management boot camps, and we usually do six to eight of those a year. They used to be in person, now they're online. And then we have dozens of clients every year for color management consulting. And a lot of those are either focused on primarily dye sublimation, or at least it's one of the processes that, that they work with. So, so Shelby, why don't you jump in here and, and give a little bit of background about how we ended up starting Chrome Apparel? Well, I think we have to kind of go back to January and February. Um, we had definitely heard about um, a virus and heard about a possible uh, pandemic coming even. I, I mean, I don't know if they were calling it a pandemic, but we were certainly hearing things. Um, we were still out traveling pretty heavily in January and February. And in February, we were in Las Vegas. I can't remember if we were doing training or consulting at this point, but we had to be, I think we had two different uh, clients we were visiting, um, one at the end of a week and one at the beginning of a week. And so we saw no reason to fly across the country and back. We just stayed over a weekend. And to try to make that make sense, there was a trade show in Long Beach, California. So we jumped on a Southwest flight and just flew over there for the day. And it happened to be um, a trade show that was very heavily fit, um, fixated or folks focused on Dyso. It's called Impressions. Impressions, thank you. I couldn't remember the name of it. Um, so we went over there for the day and we were wearing our- what Jet setters we are. Apparel, <laughs> what's that? What jet setters we are. Yeah, right, <laughs> or used to be. Right. <laughs> um, and it turned out to be a really, really great decision and a great you know, use of our time. And we had no idea that day how great it was gonna be. We had already experimented with um, doing dye sub in Jim's home basement in Mil outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, because we were doing some profiling for a current client and they had supplied us with printer ink paper and we were able to do some offsite profiling. So they do all, pretty much all dice them. And so we were making our own shirts from Vapor Apparel. Well, Vapor Apparel happened to be, uh, they had a booth at the Impressions trade show that Saturday. And so we had Chris, is Chris the owner? He is one of the owners, yeah. He's mm -hmm. one of the owners, I thought so. We had Chris, uh, who was in the booth that day, uh, take a picture of us in front of the Vapor Apparel booth wearing our Vapor Apparel color caster shirts. And we just chit chatted with him. But anyway, that relationship turned out to be how we were able to more easily start up what became our dice business called Chrome Apparel. 
Right. Yeah. And I, I remember, um, I think it was around the middle of April. Um, I was in a particularly good frame of mind and in a really great mood. He's being sarcastic right now. I'm being very sarcastic right now. <laughs> like many people at that point in the pandemic, I was not very happy and I might have been described as angry. Um, but out of that, um, you know, Shelby and I were having a conversation and, and we, we decided that we should figure out a way um, to make some kind of face covering, right? And, you know, and so we started reaching out to people we knew who were pivoting and making masks. Um, and, and, and then uh, you have a, actually a relative who, who makes uh, gators, or he doesn't call them that, but a gator style mask. And, um, and then uh, we, it occurred to us that maybe, maybe Chris had gators. So I started looking at his website and sure enough, he did. And he had told us, you know, if I can ever do anything for you. And so I reached out to this guy and only met one time. And I, I think what, within, within a week, we had gators when nobody could get them. Um, and so that, that turned out to be, you know, really cool. Um, so that, you know, fortuitous trip over to Long Beach in between two client visits in Las Vegas was really how we were able to do this. I don't think we would have been able to otherwise, at least not as easily. Yeah, you know, someday we should circle back and do a whole podcast on relationships, right? But um, I'm not sure how that has anything to do with DiceUp, but in this case, it made our business possible, right? And so, um, so I think our initial order, you know, we, we, we went what we thought was a little crazy at the time, having never done this, and we ordered like 500, uh, right around that number. And then we had, we had some, you know, this, when I start talking about time now, it's very compressed, right? This is like a seven to 10 day period. Um, we went from nothing to producing gators. And, um, and there was a lot of growing pains in there, as, as you remember, and you actually flew up not too long after this all got started. But I know we had some very early success on social media, right? We got some influencers to share our links. And, um, you know, I remember one guy uh, that we, we tracked like, you know, seven or $800 worth of business at, you know, at 10 bucks a pop or 15 bucks a pop it was a lot to this one person's tweet. Um, and then I got this guy who reached out to me on Facebook. And you remember this? It was like on a Sunday. He reached out to me on Facebook and he says, can I get a couple of these with my company logo? I'm like, well, what do you mean by a couple? He said a thousand. <laughs> right. Do you, do you remember this? Yeah. Okay. And, um, and what did we do then? You know, I mean, did, did it get a little crazy? You think? Well, yes. I mean, I did at that point, I didn't have a separate dice of lab in North Carolina like I do now. So, um, while you guys were banging out hundreds, thousands, whatever it was of gators, I was coming up with, because we really started thinking socks, remember? Mm -hmm. I started making designs, custom designs for socks. Um, and so what I did is invest in a subscription to an Adobe stock library. And I don't, I, I try really hard not to just take their stock art and slap it on a sock or slap it on a gator or mask, I try to change up the design, the pattern, the colors, how things are overlaid and make it our own custom designs. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, if you weren't a graphic designer, if you have, as long as you um, have the subscription, you can use the artwork and it's actually really uh, easy and it's not that expensive. I think you can 
get up to 10 or 20 free every month. And then after that, it's like $3.14 for each piece. But you don't have to worry about any copyright issues unless you use that piece of art 5,000 times. And if we're ever get to a point where I use a, a piece of artwork 5,000 times, I have bigger problems than the artwork. <laughs> so um, I would suggest, and it could be Shutterstock, it could be you know, any, any number of stock art libraries, but um, if you're going to create a big collection, I suggest getting into some kind of stock art library. And I, and I think we learned a couple other things. We have, um, you know, I want to plug a couple of people here, not, not to plug them, but because I think it's important because they're people who helped us. Um, so it's really more acknowledgement than plugging. Um, the, the printers in my, in my basement lab or home-based lab, whatever you want to call it, are all uh, sawgrass at this point. So we have a, um, an 11 by 17 sawgrass, which can run bigger paper, but it runs 1117 better than any other size, in my opinion. Um, it's an SG-1000. So it was actually, the printer wasn't even released. We were doing some R&D work for them. And so I reached out to them and I said, hey, do you mind if I use this for production? And they said, no, you do whatever you have to do to survive. And, and you know, whatever you need, you let us know and we'll help you out. Um, well, the, the problem is we quickly learned that the size of the gator, you can't do what we call full coverage or full bleed with, with that 1117 printer. It's not big enough. And so I happen to also have a Sawgrass VJ628, which is a 24 inch wide roll printer. And, but it had never been set up. It was all in boxes. And so, so, so we had to set this thing up and then we figured out we didn't have, we needed new ink and we needed cleaning cartridges. And, and, and in the middle of this, we had this order for a thousand gators. Right. And so um, that was when we were just a little overwhelmed and we had one heat press at the time. I mean, this is all, I'm, man, I'm thinking back to how much has changed. And, and that's when you came up and, and we had made a decision that we needed to do design and creation separate from production. And so that's when we made that decision to set up a lab for you. Um, and I think that that's really where, where this story gets kind of fun. Um, so why don't, you know, why don't you talk about that, that experience flying up here, working here for a week and then, and then what we did to get your lab going and Etsy and, you know, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll prompt you along, but I think let's just, let's just tell the story. Well, we kind of already did. I said that I flew up there and while you guys were banging out gators, I was coming up with designs for the socks. So I spent a lot of time on my computer just and trying to figure out where the, all that stock art would come from. That's really what I did. Did you we got, start with socks? I thought we just, we didn't just come up with more gator designs, huh? Okay. I don't, I couldn't remember when we added socks and t-shirts and all of that stuff. So we, we thought socks were going to be big then. And we were wrong because it was May. We, we didn't want to just, there's, no matter how you looked at it, we just didn't want to be just a mask or gator. At first it was gators and later we did masks, but we didn't just want to be a store that only sold gators because at that point there was still kind of a stigma to it. And so that you had gotten a bunch of socks. And so we were kind of doing the two products. Um, and so I spent, yes, time making different gators, but uh, different designs of gators, but it was also um, pretty heavily socks. I mean, okay. if you think about some of the, the masks that do really well, those were originally socks, like the construction trucks, those were socks first. Yeah, let's, you know, let's talk about that. The, uh, how, so how many designs have you made to date, do you think, approximately? 
I'd have to look at the Etsy store. I mean, I mean, are you talking about designs? I mean, because I mean, if you're products, talking about products. products, oh god, fifty. Yeah, I would say between two and three hundred. And so this is where this is where I think it gets really interesting for someone who's entering this business. Of those two hundred and fifty, how many would you say have sold enough that they would actually qualify as money makers? Um, well, construction trucks, um, monkeys, the right now it's those bye-bye 2020 socks. I mean, I, I would say those. So it's a handful of safe number, like of the 250, maybe 12 to 15 have generated the vast majority of the sales? Uh, probably. I mean, I might go as far as 20. It, it really depends on how you count it. So maybe 10%, if, if we're being yeah. generous, 10%. Yeah. And so I think that's a that's maybe a good lesson for people, right? That you just have to and and do you think you when you make a new design, can you predict if it's going to be a winner or not? I can with the holiday collections or different collections. I can, you know, um, I was for the bye bye socks that have uh, rolls of toilet paper and masks on them and says sorry Karen and bye bye twenty twenty and um, you know six feet away and all this, you know. Um, you know, I, I, I knew those would be, I mean, I, I, I stayed up and I did that one about two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday night and I was doing the new year's collection. And that was the very last thing that I made. Cause I looked at my collection and I said, and I didn't see the big seller. And so I was like, okay, what would really get people to buy? And that's when I came up with the 2020 socks. Okay. Um, I, I have found that with masks, people like to pretend to be something else. So like for Thanksgiving, when I had that turkey beak, you know, right. um, an ear mask um, or the red nosed reindeer for Christmas. Yeah. Both of those were big sellers. People like the corn mask, you know, oh the guy, that guy eating the corn uh -huh. on the cob, you know, funny things. People, I mean, if I found with masks, especially that if, people are going to have to wear them. And it sounds like they're still going to for a while. They are looking for something that either represents their personality or if they're a little kid, it needs to be something that they like so that they will wear it. That's where I think those construction trucks things are going. Um, little boys like construction trucks. And if you have a little four or five year old kid that you want to wear a mask, how do you get them to do it? Well, you put something that they love on it, right? I think that is something I think people are, you know, their hobbies, you know, um, like yoga, you, you know, yoga socks actually sold pretty well for a little while, you know, coffee socks, those things, you know, we have, we apparently have some customers who are coffee drinkers. Um, <laughs> oh, I've so, raised my hand. You guys can't see it. <laughs> so I, mean, I think, you know, you have to take in consideration. I don't, and socks didn't take off when we first started it because we were first starting it in May and June. And that's not right. soft season. I mean, even your wife, Cheryl mentioned that, you know, and, and I think she was absolutely right about that. Um, but what was nice is when sock season came around, I already had dozens of sock designs in that Etsy store, which we haven't even really brought up yet. Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. So, um, you know, I it's hard to say what people are going to glom onto. Sometimes I'm really surprised and other times I'm not. And other times I can take what's selling really well. And when I'm doing and getting ready to do another collection, then I, my collections I, are themed, right? They could be holidays. I'm getting ready to do one for just birthdays. Um, and I think I'm going to take the lessons that I've learned and, you know, you have to track your sales. 
take a look at what your big sellers were and what's what's going on in the environment right now what's going on in the world um that's another indication you know that i spend a lot of time doing research on current events just to try to predict how things are going to go in the next month or two so i was thinking of something else um we made a transition from gators to masks and again when i say transition we, we still will sell gators and we still sell masks um simultaneously but we we saw a trend in the market um that people wanted masks and that we were getting some pushback on gators even before gators got some negative press which turned out to be false and that's kind of a whole that could be a whole podcast but it did it, it ultimately has killed gator sales not killed but hurt it badly i think but again fortuitously because of our relationship with vapor apparel we got some fairly early access to masks but before we were able to get i don't know if you remember this before we were able to get the vapor masks we tried at least one or two other brands and you know what do you remember that that fiasco <laughs> i mean the no matter what you do um you're gonna get some pushback on some of your products you know some people are just going to be unhappy and we tried very very hard to make sure that the blanks we're using is of the best quality that you know we can provide right now um but do people still, you know, push back on us? Sure. I mean, we offer the masks, for instance, in small, medium, and large. And now extra large. Well, okay, I don't have those yet, so I don't know. But uh, and we put a graphic next in the product gallery that sh that shows how you determine which size you should get, and basically you measure from the tip of your the bridge of your nose to the your chin the edge of your chin, right? And, but still, you know, people say, oh, you know, this is smaller than I anticipated it was going to be or da, da, da. And here's the thing, you may be buying for a child, but they could just have a larger head. Kid, kids come in different sizes. People come in different sizes. You know, I have a 21 year old niece who can fit in the medium mask. She's just smaller, you know? So- My, um, my mother wears a medium mask, yep. Yeah, so I mean, it's, you can only do so much and you're never going to, if you're in the Dyson business and you want to do products like we're doing um, and selling like we're selling, you can't go into it looking for absolute perfection. You know, if people, if you think about online buyers, people are going to, you know, have some negative things to say sometimes. But that being said, we, our Etsy store still has an average five-star rating right now. So right before we transition into Etsy store, I just want to kind of recap a couple really quick things. Um, so we had early success with social media. Um, and then, uh, you know, ultimately we've, we've had to make some transitions really more. Ad we haven't really abandoned any products and we still have the gators we started with, but we added masks. Um, we, we technically still have shirts and who knows, maybe those will pick back up uh, in the spring. Socks have proven to be a, a really good seller here in the fall. But one of the things that I think drives all of that is that we pick the highest quality products. We've, we've definitely rejected um, two to three different mask blank products. We just, they didn't meet our standards. We, we wouldn't wear them ourselves. And that's, I think that's, you know, I, we, I guess we haven't come right out and said it quite that way. Um, if we won't wear it ourselves, we pretty much won't sell it, right? Um, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, we are constantly um, 
I guess, investing in, we just did it this past week. We invested in a couple of products to take a look at and not really sure that we're going to incorporate them into our main product line right now. Um, right. It, it, I mean, you have to try different things though and you can't be afraid to try different things. Um, so we focus on the highest quality products and now now you can actually, this is a really nice transition into what you wanna talk about, which is your Etsy store. Um, we put customer service first, but before we could have customers really, I mean, in, in really big volume, um, we had to get that Etsy store up and running. So, I, you know, I, I remember that after you were here uh, in May, I I came down to to North Carolina and we basically set up, what? We drove because we had all the equipment, remember? I know, it was such a lovely 13 hour drive together. Um, and so we basically set up a lab uh, in your, in your spare bedroom and um you know and that basically can just consisted of some work tables a heat press another one of the small 1117 printers and a bunch of supplies i mean did i miss it? a computer i guess we brought along the computer and we got you up and running um and while while you were kind of working on designs and figuring out how to use all the equipment i think that's when we actually set up the etsy store because i already had an etsy account because i'd bought a few things mm-hmm. over the years and yeah, so like- we it was okay, and so I set up the store and put like three items in it, and 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 then I got in my car and I drove home. And um, somewhere along the line, you just went a little nuts, and and by that I mean in a good way, and started adding uh, items to the Etsy store. And so I, I don't know, you want to talk about what that well, how that looked and how it went? A lot of, a lot of it was requests, if you remember. Um, I don't remember. That's why I asked you. Yeah, <laughs> um, people, social media family, friends, colleagues would throw out ideas to us on social media and just be like, you know, you should do monkeys. You should do, I don't know, someone did say construction trucks at one point and thank goodness I did it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just, I had a running list of designs that people had suggested to me. And, you know, I still am not completely through that list. Um, but I realized that if I don't have a direct request now, I'm not going to do it because what was ending up happening is someone would request something, I would create it, they would buy it, and then it'd never sell again. And so I'm, I'm getting starting to be a little bit more careful with the requests and try, and now I feel like I have a better feel for what's going on and what people are interested in. And, you know, I spend a lot of time on Etsy and seeing what else is out there that's comparable to what we're doing um you know i mean you can tell if you're not logged in and you know in the back end you can go through etsy and you'll see you know nine people have this in their cart okay well people are interested in that item then and so why and you know and so i do a lot of that but i'm still going through the first calendar year of having this etsy store i i think we started it up in mid-may and so Every single holiday right now is new, you know. Um, that's not saying that I'm going to recycle everything next Christmas that I had in this Christmas collection. I'll probably go through and say, eh, this didn't sell. Nope, this didn't sell. And then add a few new ones every year. But it won't be as hard as it is right now where I just got through Christmas. I just got through New Year's. I'm getting ready to do a sports-themed one. I'm getting ready to do a birthday-themed one. And then I'll, I, by that point, I'll be ready for Valentine's Day and then St. Patrick's Day. And so <laughs> I'm getting close to that end of that calendar year from when we started. But um, 
yeah, I mean, I just keep on going, I guess. Sounds to me like if I listen to you carefully, there's, there's a few keys to success on Etsy. Um, number one is to, um, you know, in addition to listening to your own, your customers is to trust your gut, right? Because you've got, even though it's only six months of experience under your belt on this, you've got six months of experience and you've created, you know, close, close to several hundred designs now. So you, and you, and, and that leads to my second point, which is looking at the analytical data, right? What sells and what doesn't sell. Um, and then trying to figure out, you know, maybe why it sells and why it doesn't sell. Cause I, you know, my, my gut feeling is that our, other than a few crazy designs like uh, construction truck masks, um, your holiday themed uh, collections are, are the best sellers. Um, and that means you've got to have a lot of holiday themed collections if you're going to turn this into a, you know, a real business versus a, a hobbyist business. And, and I, feel like, I feel like in December, we started hitting numbers that were, you know, almost real business size, right? So, um, and, and so it's been fun, you know, it's definitely been fun. Um, I, I guess the, the piece that maybe I should talk about is advertising on Etsy or really any platform because Etsy is really a platform, right? And, um, or a marketplace. And, and, you know, I've always been leery of ads on, on platforms and marketplaces because I've, I've played around with Google ads. I've played around with Facebook ads. I've played around with all ads, all of which I know people have success with, but I, what I've figured out with online advertising and maybe I'm wrong, but it feels to me like you've got to be in the right place at the right time with the right product still. I mean, that, that's just marketing 101 because when we started advertising on Etsy, we got almost instantaneous results. And I mean, we went from advertising at a very, very low level. I mean, like less than a hundred dollars in a month to, you know, something approaching 10 times that by this month. And, and I'm kind of blown away by how it, how well it works. I mean, I, I mean, do you have any feelings on that or? I think it also has a lot to do with the search engine optimization keywords and phrases that I do for every single product. Um, Cause I've done a lot of studying with that too. And okay. I've gone in and redone lots and lots of the items. And you can imagine how long that takes. Oh, I, uh, I can. <laughs> the, the ones that we set up at, back in May and June were terrible. Just absolutely right. terrible. Well, we didn't know what we were doing. Right. So I don't care how much money you're spending in advertising dollars. Um, if your SEO on your products is not what it needs to be and doesn't describe things and isn't searching things that people are searching for, you're not, you're still not going to do well with advertising. That's probably true. Yeah. So you have to do both of those things in conjunction. Otherwise they will not work without the other. Right. Yep. That's a, that's a great point. That's a great point. So I think we're coming, coming close to what might be the end of this, this first episode. Um, and I feel like we've, we've told a lot of the story. Anything you want to throw in before I ask you, um, you know, a couple more questions to wrap it up. Not at the moment. All right. So um, this has been fun. I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, going forward with this. Uh, like I said, you know, most frequently we're hoping that this is going to be a conversation with someone from the industry. We've got a lot of contacts, so we're going to, we're going to try and track down some experts. And I've got a, a few in mind that we're going to get lined up and, and get on here with us soon. Um, but from time to time, I think it'll be fun to cover topics this way, you know, sharing our own experiences, maybe after a trade show or something like that, just share our impressions of the show. Uh, what, I, what I'm thinking we're going to do is we're going to wrap up every episode with three questions. 
and two will be um, us asking the guest, in this case, Shelby's the guest and I'm the host, uh, these two questions, and then we'll, uh, and then we'll let Shelby ask one to, to close the thing out of me. So what is the most interesting trend that you see in dye sublimation today? Hmm. I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> Um, there's way too many of them, to be honest with you. I, I think you're seeing, and we haven't had a lot of success with it, but a lot more things are being die subbed that would just uh, wouldn't occur to me. Um, yeah, we've been doing, we've been experimenting with some hard surface. So think not fabric, um, like, you know, you do license plates, we've done coasters, cutting boards, ornaments, you know, um, we haven't really figured out how to monetize, monetize that very well <laughs> right now, um, but it's been very interesting. Um, and I think people are realizing that ink is very important. <laughs> um, what kind of ink, the quality of ink. Um, some people um, really try to make a lot of money off the ink. And if you're not careful about what you're using and make sure that it's in your budget, because you go through a lot of it, you go through a lot more ink and paper than you would realize. Um, and you need to stay on top of it. Um, you know, and again, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of people where you can source things from and you have to be willing to do the research. And we, you know, yes, right now, all the gators are vapor apparel, you know, um, but we've certainly looked around at other vendors um, right. for a lot of different items, not just masks and gaiters. So you need to be open to try new things and you never know when you're going to hit a home run. And, there, and then it's also the combination, you know, the combination of the printer and the heat press and um, knowing what the temperature should be and the pressure should be for you know, the various items because, you know, socks are thicker than masks and which are thinner than coasters. Right. So um, yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes next. You yeah. know, um, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I was, I, what I really want to do is get back out to a trade show, like impressions, you know? but. Right. So, so since, since this isn't a guest, I, I want to throw in my, uh, my big trend. And so we, we were having a conversation with someone in the industry and um, the, the, the thing that, that I think was cool is, is this person said that all you really need is a 24 inch wide printer, which we happen to have, um, a 16 by a, uh, 16 by 20 heat press, which I know, you know, we now own three of, right. And, and, and a product, right. And you're, you're basically in the die sub business and, you know, and Shelby hit on a couple of the other key factors, right. You need to have, you, you need to pick your paper and your ink wisely. Right. I mean, I don't think you want the cheapest ink, but I think she's right. You've got to look at the cost of your ink. Now, you may you may be able to run a very successful business with the most expensive ink out there, but at least understand what the cost of your the cost of ink and paper is per square foot, right? Because when you make a gator, um, that's you know probably at least two square feet, maybe three square feet of of paper and ink, and it adds up fast. It adds up really fast. So you've got the the raw cost of the gator, the paper, the ink, uh, then some labor. And before you know it, you know, you think you're making a lot of money and, and you're not, um, if you're not careful. So that's, that's, that's great. All right. So where, uh, Shelby, where can our listeners find, um, you and, or you and your companies online? Well, if you go to Etsy, 
um, you can search for Chrome Apparel. So it's C H R O M A P P A R E L. Mm -hmm. uh, and you'll find it. Um, and then we have at Chrome Apparel on Twitter and Facebook's hard because somebody changed the URL. So I don't even know it anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't know that you can find it just by searching by because it's like chromeapparel.us or something, I think. Hmm. Okay. But we do have chromeapparel.com, um, which is a little bit different than the Etsy store because we were trying to change that into more customization, which we'll have to talk to about on a different podcast. Okay. All right. And what if people wanted to um, learn more about what we do as color management consultants? Colorcasters.com. Okay. All right. Fantastic. I think that's a wrap on episode one. Thank you listeners. And thank you, Shelby. We will, uh, we'll be back with episode two soon.